Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tolkien. Today, we're discussing Chapter 3 of Book 1 of The Return of the King, The Muster of Rohan. So, as always, we're going to hand it over to Katie in a little bit, who is going to give us the Elvish word of the day and remind us of what happened on this date in Middle-earth. Then Katie is going to pass things over to Chase, who will quickly remind us of what we discussed in last week's readings. We'll spend most of today talking about, once again, that's Chapter 3, The Muster of Rohan. Uh, close things out with our favorites, both from this week of the reading and this week of our lives. I'm John. I'm Katie. And, and I'm Chase. I almost forgot who I am. <laughs> <laughs> that happens from time to time. Who am I? I, right. I, I? I ask myself that question a lot. Is this real life? <laughs> I was trying to find my place is in our book. This is going to be forever. <laughs> so today is June 23rd. Thursday yes. as always. Katie, you want to take it, take it away? All right. So today, June 23rd, backtrack just a couple days first uh, to the 20th in the year 3018. Uh, Sauron attacks Osgiliath. So that gives you a date uh, as for when all that went down. Also on that day, just so happens, Thranduil was attacked and Gollum escapes. Um, so again, a date for things we've previously referenced. Uh, let's see on the 21st in the year 2951. So about 10 years after the events of the Hobbit, Aragorn comes to Lorien. And on the 22nd in the year 2942, Bilbo returns to the Shire, of course, with a particular trinket that we know as the ruling ring. And yeah, that's about uh, what? it. Hold on. I've never heard that name before. Yeah, you have. Ruling the Ring? Ru- the Ruling Ring, yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that one. I mean, it's it, a new it, name on me. Yeah, I mean, many, many titles. The One Ring, The the Ring, The Ruling Ring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the 23rd today, actually not a whole lot happened, but there were several uh, little things that happened around this day. So. All right. Well, yeah. Do you have any words for us today? Normally, I, I would guess that you would give us the word horse, but you did already, and it's Roch. <laughs> I did already give you horse. No, I picked a, a different word, um, and I I chose I I picked two of them because I don't know why not. But uh, they're both uh, Quenyan words, and the first one is uh, I I can't read it. Okay, the first one is Niarna. Niarna. Mm-hmm. And that means legend, saga, or long epic tale. And the second word that I chose is Nyarie, which again is a Quenyan word, and it means fable, story, or legend. That's definitely appropriate. (laughs) All right. Well, Chase, you want to remind us what we talked about in last week's episode? Last week's chapter involved Aragorn, and we we hadn't interacted with him for quite a while. And he and Legolas and Gimli and a few members of the Dunadai. Mm-hmm. Am I getting that right? Yep. Dunadai. Dunadine. Dunadine. Dunadine mm-hmm. uh, sounds like a diner in Middle Earth, honestly. <laughs> the Dunadine. I was actually thinking like Cyberdyne um, Systems from Terminator. So yeah. Now, do we need a t shirt designed for the Dunadiner? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm hungry. That's why it's on my mind. Um, and they went out to seek out the path of the dead and to get in touch with a 
I was about to say army, but I don't think army is the right word, but a race of mountain men who were charged by a sealed door to fight against Sauron, but didn't show up, but they won it anyway. And because of that, they were cursed. We're not really, it was a little up in the air is whether or not they were cursed. Yeah, I, I would I say, mean, I would say it's a curse. It almost felt like to me that they were kind of charging them. Like they were almost cursing themselves, if that makes sense. I don't know. I'm, I'm, that, I guess, that's overreading that I could mean, be held they, for they, the time. They swore on oath and then they did not uphold and then it. They, so they, they didn't know it. It's not like, you know, it's not like their punishment was undeserved. No, yeah, that's true. And Aragorn and team are going out to get them. To bring them to fight. Right. All right. Well, that about catches us up. So, uh... We're getting increasingly splintered because, as we discussed last week, there's this dawn that has no sunlight. And we've seen it from Frodo and Sam's perspective and and the two towers. We've seen it from Gandalf and Pippin's perspective. Uh, I got that right this time. I said Pippin. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Kudos. We have seen it from Aragorn's perspective. But there's one member of the Fellowship who is splintered off from everyone else. That's Mariodoc Brandybuck. And in fact, Indeed. this chapter starts with, actually hey. it starts with Pippin, but hey. then quickly. Hey, John. Yes? Do you know who you get to talk about this week? Perry the Hobbit? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Neither was I when I first said it. Um, so, yeah. So this chapter is all about Mary. <laughs> There's something about Mary. Nah. Oh. <laughs> Concerning oh, something man. about Mary that can be the name of this episode. <laughs> I've not thought about that in like 15 years. Okay. Uh. Yes. So basically, uh, we get a little time synchronization with this because it starts off talking about Pippin. Because at the end of two chapters ago, when Pippin was in Minas Tirith and he was watching... Uh, you know, the Prince of Dol Amroth right in with his banner and there was that whole cloud of dust and, you know, we thought it was going to be Faramir, but it wasn't. It, it kind of says, while this is happening, Mary is in Rohan with Theoden. So that's kind of like our time synchronization. Yeah. I kind of really liked something just near the very beginning of this chapter, talking about Mary as uh, they're kind of riding... Uh, near the mountains and I really liked this little bit of passage and uh, again I said we're talking about Mary it says he loved mountains or he had loved the thought of them marching <laughs> on the edge of stories brought from far away but now he was borne down by the insupportable weight of Middle Earth he longed to shut out the immensity in a quiet room by a fire and I think this is a familiar sentiment to all of our Hobbit friends that we've come across at one point or another but I just really liked that passage like that same kind of sentiment is like well I thought I wanted to go on an adventure but then it turned out to not all be pony rides in May every single one of them yeah have brought about this sentiment exactly every single one and this is like Mary's little version of that he thought he loved mountains or at least he loved the thought of them and that's the thing that got that that stuck to me right off the bat with this chapter is for some reason like I've thought about it before but it didn't quite hit me until reading this chapter of how just 
damn fine this character work has has been through this entire book. Yeah. Where every character feels different. Maybe it was because we were on um, Frodo and Sam for so long that I kind of like forgot about it. But the, all the characters are different. All the characters react to everything completely differently. Right. And, and it's fascinating to watch. Yeah, we do. We, we really do get great ca- character development through... Uh, whether through perspective or through dialogue, anything. Um, I totally agree. So um, basically what's happening is, if you remember last chapter, they were leaving Helm's Deep altogether, and then kind of Aragorn went off ahead and, you know, went off to the Path of Dead. So we, we catch up with everybody else who's leaving. And Thaden had given a little pony called Stibba to, uh, to Mary. That's they, how you pronounced it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was pronouncing it Stiba, and that didn't sound right at all. <laughs> It's, it says, I love this, um, sometimes where the way was broader, Mary had ridden at the king's side, not noticing that many of the riders smiled to see the two together, the hobbit on his little shaggy gray pony and the lord of Rohan on his great white horse. Then he had talked to Theoden, telling him about his home and the doings of the Shire folk, or listening in turn to tales of the Mark and its mighty men of old. But most of the time, especially on this last day, Mary had ridden by himself just behind the king, saying nothing, and trying to understand the slow, sonorous speech of Rohan that he heard the men behind him using. It was a language in which there seemed to be many words that he knew, though spoken more richly and strongly than in the Shire, yet he could not piece the words together. Yeah, and then I I particularly liked to how um, that I think it said that the something along the lines of that the songs would make his heart leap which yeah. I think is also like I, I again I've said I don't know how many times I always love it when there's some great reference to song and and how it relates to people so uh, I've I've always kind of imagined that you know in the in the British Isles reading of this Rohan is like the Scottish Highlands and so this bit where Mary's like, he can understand individual words, but he has no <laughs> idea what they're saying. But not <laughs> what they all mean together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it did resonate to me like those places you've ever been where everybody does speak English, but it seems like... Yeah. It reminded me of being in like New Orleans, or at least being like outside of New Orleans, like on the yeah. outskirts, the way people talk in Louisiana. In some very distinct dialect, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think I have an accent, but then I meet people from Louisiana, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> you've got an accent. <laughs> um, and yeah, and remember, long, 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 long ago, we had we had talked about uh, the, the, the language of the Roharam and how it kind of... Um, uh, mimicked the landscape almost and that it was very like rolling and, and, and lilting and I always just think um, especially of, of many of the uh, Middle Earth languages I always think of um, like Old English oh yeah um, but any, at any rate uh, they finally are a- approaching um, the walls of Rohan and they come to Harrowdale and uh, Aomer is sort of begging Theoden not to do this, not to go to war. And, and yes, for a little bit of, ge- this is a very like geographically intense chapter. So basically, Katie, correct me if I'm wrong, but Harrowdale is like a, a camp where all of the different um, kind of people from yeah. all over the different corners of Rohan are meeting together and assembling as an army. Right. Because as we recall, the people of Rohan are a scattered people right now. Yeah. So this is between Edoras and Helm's Deep, basically. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. And it says, um, you know, they're, they come and then people are there greeting them and said, we knew we were, we knew that you were coming at dawn three days ago. Uh, you know, Gandalf was here. Shadowfax came like a wind out of the West to Edoras and brought tidings of your victory to gladden our hearts. But he brought also word from you to hasten the gathering of the riders. And then came the winged shadow. The winged shadow said Thaden. We saw it also, but that was in the dead of the night before Gandalf left us. So here we kind of very quickly get set up that, you know, Gandalf did come in flight early and has kind of been spreading the word for people to assemble. But we also find out that the winged shadow, AKA the Nazgul and the fell beast has been seen. Yeah. And, um, rolling back just a little bit, because there was something that I, uh, that really stuck out at me. Um, when Aomero is kind of, you know, we see a couple times throughout this chapter where people are begging Theoden to do something and Theoden has made up his mind. Uh, to do or not to do something, both. Um, and Theoden, so it, it's this first time the Aomer is kind of telling Theoden, you know, don't don't go any further east. Let's let's not let's not do this. And Theoden says, no, I'm going to war. And I really liked what uh, just one little line he says. He says, never will I lean on a staff again. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just is. That's that's a really it's very indicative of Theoden's character, which we've seen, you know, as when, you know, Gandalf had broken him of Saruman's influence uh, in the Two Towers. Um, and it's just another great indication of the strength and will of Theoden, I think, now that he's returned to, to himself. I really like that. He's got a real, I'll die before I'm useless again Ex- sort yeah. of mentality right now. Yeah. Um. Yes. So... After they get to the camp and they get set up, there's a little bit of description of what it's like. And they're basically in a valley, um, which was at that point a little more than half a mile in width. And I loved this. On all the level spaces, there was great concourse of men, some thronged on the roadside, hailing the king and the riders from the west with glad cries, but stretching away into the distance behind, there were ordered rows of tents and booths and lines of picketed horses and great store of arms and piled spears bristling like thickets of new planted trees. I just love that. Spears like thickets of new planted trees, you know? Yeah. I was actually just looking at a map of this area, and I, f- I feel like this is out of the way, but I get why they came here, I guess. Seems like it. It seems like it took them a third of the way to Helm's Deep from to Edoras out of their way, but I guess it makes sense. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not able to read these maps right. <laughs> well, and it's along the Snowborn River, which is a kind of a tributary of the river that comes out of Fangorn, and those join the Great River from Lorien, and kind of just south of the Imminwheel, those awful swamps where Frodo and Sam met Gollum. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get to a cliff and there's this kind of switchback uh, that's cut into the cliff and high above, high up on the cliff is kind of this court where the king is. And it's described that the, the switchback has these, um, these like statues, really old looking statues uh, at each kind of place where it switches back. And they're called the Pukelmen. And I just love this. It says here that they were, hold on, sorry, one second. Such was the work of the dark Dunhera, the, long, the work of long forgotten men. 
Their name was lost and no song or legend remembered it. For what purpose they had made this place as a town or a secret temple or a tomb of kings, none in Rohan could say. Here they labored in the dark years before ever a ship came to the western shores or Gondor of the Dúnedain was built. And now they had vanished and only the Pukil men were left still sitting at the turnings of the road. Yeah, so again, we get another one of these great relics. Yeah, this is like a super old place. And so since Mary is kind of in the company of the king, uh, he goes up there with the king. And uh, it's great because they meet someone who's waiting there for them. Right. And just the, I mean, the, anytime we get this great description of Eowyn, I just, I, I have to like, just my heart is a happy heart because <laughs> Eowyn is so awesome. And uh, I mean, again, we're, we, we're going to learn more and more about her, but uh, I, yeah, she's, you know, of course, clearly a woman, but, you know, wearing a helm and is like dressed like a warrior, basically, which is great. Um and uh, so, yeah, there's this kind of greeting between uh, Theoden and Eowyn and, you know, both of them kind of say, yeah, sure, all is well, all is fine. Uh, but, you know, you can really tell Eowyn's face kind of belies her and uh, she reveals that Aragorn has gone to the paths of the dead uh, even after they all told him not to because Aragorn, you are going to die. Um, and so, yeah, once again, they believe... Uh, Eomer and Eowyn both and, and Theoden as well believe that Aragorn is gone for this world and, and uh, yeah Eomer well, says all our paths are sundle- sundered he is lost we must ride without him and our hope dwindles yep and Theoden knows that this makes him sad but what I found interesting right here was um, Mary's kind of mundering to himself and I don't know if it was this, this part it may have been a little bit further ahead but at this point Mary mutters to himself about like Path of the Dead. Everybody in the Fellowship has gone to some doom. Yes. Except for me. Like, I should be going to do something. Like, it, there's even a moment where it says, Yeah. But my turn will come soon enough, I suppose. I wonder what they are all talking about and what the king means to do, for I must go where he goes. Like, he truly believes in the service that he has well, and I mean, to, of the king, basically. to that end, when they get up here, it says, uh, you know, they came to the king's pavilion there. Mary found that, uh, you know, that everything was made ready and that he himself was not forgotten. A little tent had been pitched for him <laughs> beside the king's lodging and there he sat alone. So, I mean, they made a little tent for Mary. And so this is he's, he's sitting by himself for a while. This is where he's coming to this realization. And then eventually the king summons him and is basically like Master Mary Doc, you know, sit here, tell me stories, uh, uh, lighten my heart with tales. So, Which, of course, doesn't happen because, you know, there are more important things on the mind, such as, hey, Theoden, what, what, tell me more about these paths of the dead. Uh, and so Eomer and Theoden proceed to explain to Mary a little bit more about this kind of really sort of legend and myth that exists in their culture about the paths of the dead. And they're of course speculating on whether or not they think Aragorn is going to come out the other side, which of course they don't. Um, they, you know, cause they say no living man has crossed that way and ever come out the other side. So, um, and, and then we, well, specifically they tell the story of the last person to have visited yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, which is Baldor, son of Brago, uh, who passed the door and was not seen among men again. Uh, a rash vow he spoke as he drained the horn at the feast, which Brago made to hallow newly built Meadowseld, and he came never to the high seat, which he was the heir. So, to correct me if I'm wrong, Katie, but is this the skeleton that we saw? I was just about to ask that same question. I think so. I mean, I feel like he... Tolkien highlighted that skeleton so heavily in the previous chapter. To have the story pop up now, I kind of assumed we're supposed to be thinking yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. So, basically, this guy would have been the king of Rohan, and he's this... You know, the, the Metasaur Hall was built when he died, basically. Um... So there's a little more discussion of of what it is, and then Theoden shares this kind of saying about it. Uh, the way is shut. It was made by those who are dead, and the dead keep it until the time comes. The way is shut. And so this is told kind of within the passage of the story of Baldor. So, you know, Baldor asked, when will that time be? Because this says, you know, until the time comes. So yeah. Baldor thought that he was the one, like the time came for him. As, as we find out, though, Theoden says, yet maybe at last the time foretold has come and Aragorn may pass. So even though they've been kind of prescribing this doom and gloom, Theoden says, well, perhaps Aragorn is the one who will actually bring this to pass it's kind of moment this legend has it and you know we don't we don't know but maybe i've always (laughs) loved the concept of prophecies Uh and legends and people thinking they are the one when they are actually not the one because they have misinterpreted some aspect of it have you then there's a great episode of ds9 you should watch but that's not really. I, th- I think I know the one you're talking about. <laughs> the so. one with the poet who thinks he's the prophet? Yes, that's a great episode. Yeah, I've um, seen that one. Yeah, so basically Theoden is like, actually, maybe Aragorn is the one. You know, maybe the time has come for Aragorn. And Aemir is being a little pessimistic. But at this time, uh, they're interrupted and basically says, you know, a man is here, Lord. And we find out it's an errand writer of Gondor. So this who is person... A peer- whose appearance startles Mary quite a bit because he reminds him instantly of Boromir. Um, and it is? <laughs> it's not Faramir. It's, and it is not Faramir. It's not Faramir. <laughs> I really was genuinely like, oh my God, it's Faramir. Oh. Yeah, his name is Hirgon. And but again, you're, he, you're, he, he you're, brings a token. You're, uh, meant, to- you're meant to think, is it Faramir? Yeah. yeah. He's playing with my emotions. <laughs> um, he brings a token from Denethor. Uh, specifically says, I bring a token from Denethor, mm-hmm. and it is an arrow, and the, the tip of it is, is painted red. And so Theoden is kind of surprised. It says he's uh, holding it as one who receives a summons long expected and yet dreadful when it comes. Exactly. <laughs> so. The red arrow has not been seen in the mark in all my years. Has it indeed come to that? And what does the Lord Denethor reckon that all my strength and all my speed may be? Yeah, so... Uh, so you know, Th- Theoden knows what this is, and it's kind of a moment of where, like, I I felt like this would happen, but I was dreading it, mm-hmm. and I did not want to receive this. But um, but at the same time, now that he has received it, he's not going to refuse it because now we have another one of these moments where we remember old oaths and friendships, and yeah. uh, you know, Rohan has long been an ally of of Gondor, and um will support them in 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 a time of great need 
particularly, of course, this this one. And um, Theoden says, "Yes, we will. We will come to your aid." And uh, I'll. It's not as many as I would like to send, uh, but. Uh, you know, 6,000 of us could, could come. However, we're not going to be able to be there for about a week mm-hmm. <laughs> because well, it, it's, it's more important what he says there. He says, you know, 6,000 at least shall ride behind me for, uh, for say to Denethor that in this hour, the King of the Mark himself will come down to the land of Gondor, though maybe he will not ride back. Yeah. What so, is this doom? And like, I mean, I get it, but I don't like, well, he's so ready to go or at least, Everyone in this world is because really is. This it's is, this is like you know end of the world scenario. This this book so far in these three chapters, and I might address this more whenever we get to our favorite parts. <laughs> this one has felt, and I've really kind of dug it. Actually, I love how apocalyptic this one feels. Yes, like this 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 re- it is. There is a drastic tone shift between um, the last book and this one that happened within the first chapter of this book. And it has been pervasive in these three chapters of this apocalyptic feeling. And it's about to get a little bit more. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, yeah, you know, once again, we go. I may ride to my death, but we go. Um, And, you know, of course, Hirgon responds, well... Seven days, you may come only to ruin. We're we're, we're not going to last that long, um, but at least you could beat back some of the orcs. Then in that case, yeah, it's like, it's like you like, could yeah, clear okay. out the ruins, right? <laughs> you can at least fight on our graves or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, they 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 go to bed, and the next morning, um, you well, know, says, they, well, you know, we'll su- be summoned at dawn. Before they go to bed, though, uh, Theoden is kind of dismissing everybody and says, "Go now, each to your rest." And sleep well. And you, Master Mariadoc, I need no more tonight, but be ready to my call as soon as the sun has risen. I will be ready, said Mary, even if you bid me ride with you on the paths of the dead. Speak not words of omen, said the king, for there may be more roads than one that could bear that name. But I did not say that I would bid you ride with me on any road. Good night. I love that moment from so, him actually yeah. that was pretty great one it's the paths of the dead could be more than just this ghost cave the two. paths of the dead is the road that we are riding on yes two yep. mary i didn't say you would be coming with me mm-hmm. which is kind of an about face from the from what we've been feeling from theoden right now he feels like he can't he can't um what's the word like he shouldn't in good conscience take mary with him yes i mean that's ultimately what it is um, pr- primarily because like this is back to that whole thing of everybody underestimating the hobbits and based upon even even if they're so full of spirit and so vibrant about what they want to do and how they're going to do it a lot of it comes down to logistics and Theoden is a man bogged down by logistics right now yes right. so in the morning someone comes to get Mary and I love this little detail it just says Master, it's a wake up, wake up, Master Holbitla. Mm-hmm. Holbitla. Holbitla. I, I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced, but clearly it's just like a dialect form of Hobbit. Holbitla is the word in, in the language of the Rohirrim for Holdweller. And that's, again, from their, that, that one legend that they had referred to, you know, long ago. Like, oh, yeah, we have a story about Hobbits, but that's a fairy tale. 
Uh, but yeah, that's a uh, Hobbit Lamin's hole dweller. Um, once upon a time, there was a hobbit who lived in a hole in a, in a hole in the ground. Uh, once upon a time, no, I'm sorry. There one. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> the, no. There once was a hobbit. Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, oh, once upon a time, in Hobbit and Master Bilbo sat in a little hole. I feel like that was the exact same song you sang a year ago. I, I mean, I don't hold me to that. It's a bastardization of the Arkansas Traveler, the state song of yeah. Arkansas. Yeah, I feel like you, you did the exact same thing about it back in May. Our I'm vigilant nothing... listeners might be able to pick that one out because they were <laughs> they were very good this past week, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you for tallying up the number of times that John incorrectly named uh, Pippin. So anyway, uh, you know, wake up, Master Hobbit. Uh, Mary's like, the sun hasn't risen yet. No, and will not rise today, Master Hobbitla nor ever again one would think under this cloud. But time does not stand still, though the sun be lost, make haste. So this is that day. Yep. So here we go. Here's our next view of this dawnless day when this, you know, darkness has come emanated out of Mordor and has covered uh, pretty much as far as the eye can see. And um, I... I really really enjoy this passage about it i think it's just like i don't know i i can i every time i read it my response is wow and um it's kind of describing this doom and gloom and darkness it says no shape of cloud could be seen unless it were far away westward where the furthest groping fingers of the great gloom still crawled onwards and a little light leaked through them. Overhead there hung a, gr- a heavy roof, somber and featureless, and light seemed rather to be failing them growing. Um, like the groping fingers of the great gloom and a little light leaked, I just... The sounds are too perfect in that passage. It's almost uh, like Sauron's hand is yes. strangling out the sun. Mm-hmm. Even the words I just used right there were like, sorry, just. <laughs> no, it's it's true though. It's um. There's a there's a part right before that I always like I I really liked and it's just one phrase and I really liked it which was, the very air seemed brown. Mm-hmm. I know anybody who lives in tornado country um, <laughs> knows when a tornado is about to hit. Sometimes the it gets very calm mm-hmm. and very still, and the light, the, the air almost has this either green or brown quality. That's kind of what I thought of was the feeling of when a tornado is about to hit. Yeah, yeah. Um. So this 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 dawnless day, they're they're preparing to leave, and Theoden basically tells Mary, you know, I release you from my service, and now you'll go, you'll stay with Eowyn to, uh, and 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 help and be in her service, where she um is kind of presiding over Edoras. And Mary's response to this, of course, he's he's not happy to hear this, hear this at all. Nope, uh, his all. response, you know, all my friends have gone to battle and I would be ashamed to stay behind. And he's very disappointed, of course, And but however Theoden's word stands. And I think there, this is this great parallel that we see between Mary and Eowyn. Yeah. Uh, we have, you know, this 
desire to join your friends in this in in, in battle and do what you can to help mm-hmm. uh, and neither of them is granted that and so you know Thaden basically says you can't come your pony can't keep up with our fast horses and I love Mary's response which was you know Thaden says you can't ride on such beasts and Mary says then tie me on the back of one or let me hang on a stirrup <laughs> or something strap me to a stirrup yep. treat me like a double bag it is, it is <laughs> a long care. way to run but run I shall if I cannot ride even if I wear my feet off and arrive weeks too late yeah um and yeah, then it's great. yeah, uh, it's got tenacity. But yep. Awen then Awen's watching this, and Awen, like you said, Katie feels this kind of compatriotism with with Mary, and says, uh, "Come now, Mary Doc, I will show you the gear I, that I have prepared for you." They went out together. This request only did Aragorn make to me," said Awen, as they passed among the tents, "that you should be armed for battle. I have granted it as I could. For now." My heart tells me that you will need such gear ere the end. This part made me like get a little teary eyed because Eowyn like immediately swoops in and is like, oh, hey, Aragorn asked me to look after you, not to keep you safe, but to arm you. you yeah. Know? To prepare you. Um, yeah. And, and she, she had not armor made for him, but she had what they could kind of fit for him. Yeah. So when they set out, um, I think there's one very important note to make about a certain uh, rider that Mary sees who looks very slender (laughs) and smaller than most. And um, the look in this rider's eyes, too, is very haunting. Uh, It makes Mary shiver. uh, For it came suddenly to him that it was the face of one without hope who goes in search of death. Yes. Uh, so yeah <laughs> haunting and we get a song yep which is this really great song just kind of telling about them leaving uh the way it's inserted is this is a song like basically that is told after the fact right uh and then yeah. right before they leave mary makes one last appeal this is mary begged for the last time not to be parted from theoden there is no and, s- oh. oh i was just going to say that mary Particularly, particularly makes mention of not wanting to be remembered in song as the one mm-hmm. who stayed behind. Mm-hmm. And now we get this other great parallel to some other hobbits who had talked about being remembered in stories and songs. So I, I just am, I, I revel in those little bits in this chapter. There's almost, there's almost. Well, so. I'll save this for later. At this moment, you know, Mary is like, please take me. And this is Theoden's like, no, there's no room in this journey for Stibba, as I've told you. And Mary says, why, Lord, did you receive me as the sword thane if not Stibba your side? And I would not have it said of me in song. You know, that's the moment. Theoden says, I received you for your safekeeping and also to do as I might bid. None of my riders can bear you as burden. If the battle were before my gates, maybe your deeds would be remembered by the minstrels, but it is a hundred leagues and two to Mundberg where Denethor is lord. I will say no more. So all of a sudden we get, you know, Mary feels kind of alienated because he thought he was pledging his service, and then he's told, no, I accepted it because I wanted to protect you. Like, functionally what's happening here is the same thing that's happened to Eowyn. Uh, his, his faculty has been removed. Right. You know, I'm doing this for your own good. That that's not going to stand for Mary. <laughs> no. no. So uh, Mary, it says Mary bowed and went away unhappily, 
Instead of the lines of horsemen, already the companies were preparing to start. Men were tightening girths, looking to saddles, caressing their horses. Some gazed uneasily at the lowering sky. Unnoticed, a rider came up and spoke softly in the hobbit's ear. Where Will wants not, a way opens up. So we say he whispered, and so I have found myself. Mary looked up, and he saw that it was the young rider whom he had noticed in the morning. You wish to go whither the Lord of the Mark goes. I see it in your face. I do, said Mary. Then you shall go with me, said the rider. I will bear you before me under my cloak until we are far afield, and this darkness is yet darker. Such good will should not be denied. Say no more to any man, but come. Thank you indeed, said Mary. Thank you, sir, though I do not know your name. Do you not? said the rider softly. Then call me Dernhelm. So clearly something is afoot here. Yeah. Uh, we're telegraphing heavily what it is, but it's not actually revealed at this moment. I'm not, I mean, I, 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 I again thought it was Faramir for a second. Just, just like <laughs> hopingly, like somehow Faramir. We really want to see Faramir. He's too, he's, he's like a prince of God, or not really a prince, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but I, he, he's, he's a little bit more important than that. So whoever <laughs> this person is really wants to make sure that like, dude, I get it. I get it where you're coming from. I'll, yep. hi, I'll sneak you out this. You you will get your your place yeah, in says, this legend. You, know, you you have great heart and great merit, so I'm taking you with me. The thi- and, oh, sorry. Oh, just, uh, the you know, and so, you know, they, they ride on and they hear of war every step along the way. Yes. The thing I was going to note was that Mary... And Eowyn have a very interesting connection to me, to the the men from basically they are talking about like people being left be- people being left behind or people refusing to go in these legends, and I couldn't help but think of also the the men from the mountains, and I can't help but think about not all of them mm-hmm. probably refused to go. I feel like most of them held back a group that probably wanted to go. And I can't help but feel like a similar thing of like in legends and stuff, emotions kind of get run over to maybe that what, what, what Mary and Eowyn are both picking up in their legacy is the fact that they don't want to be thought of being cowards for being told to be stay behind rather than at some point in the future, they're, being, to- being basically the story being told or being remembered as no, they left behind because they were, cowards rather than no they were told to stay behind mm-hmm. and trying to fight up against that basically i might be reading weight into it but uh the, the just the perspective that these characters have about like their place in legend makes sense because the sky is black and the world is ending and war <laughs> is literally everywhere i mean i i don't want to draw too many parallels this is a weird way to do it but in downton abbey season two which is like condensed world war one they dedicate an entire plot line to the fact that there were you know young men who stayed behind who could have fought and there were specifically people who shamed them mm-hmm. so you know given tolkien's experience with world war one like that's definitely something he would have been experienced with it's yeah. also an understanding of some of these i can't help but feel like not only is this story about how like people can surprise you which I feel like is ultimately the overwhelming theme of the story, mm-hmm. but also that people have the place that they need. Not not that people have their place, but that people have the place where they themselves need to be. 
And not that the world is dictating that that's where they need to be, but they themselves are coming to that conclusion. I feel like every single character we have gotten has had that sort of arc. Yes. Uh, free will is absolutely a large theme. It's not really been a big thing. And it's almost like we're. I'm finding the, th- the, the nut that Tolkien's trying to crack in this part of this third of the story. Mm-hmm. Compared to the first two, and mm-hmm. that seems to be it in this one. Oh yeah, yeah. I know it. It definitely comes out much, uh, much stronger in Return of the King. Um, like okay, like this, like the Fellowship of the Ring seems to be about that, that theme of small people surprising you, damn. and then the second one seems to be about like, um, people of power have been slumbering for too long. <laughs> And then this one seems to be that people finding their place amongst the end of the world, basically. We'll yeah. see how that pays off. I, I don't know <laughs> yet. I just, that's something that I was thinking about when I was reading this chapter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the end of the chapter. They're just going off to war and Mary gets to come. So do we have any closing thoughts? I definitely have some favorites. Yeah, what was your favorite? Mine, I mean, just, I mean, probably the same as yours, Katie, and we, we talked about it already, but this relationship between Mary and Eowyn that's developing, because it's not really a relationship, because if memory serves me correctly, this is actually the first time that they've met, but it's this uh, camaraderie, you know, they're, they're in the same situation. Right. And I, I just really like the way that it's playing out, like, they're banding together because they've they've both they're both kind of experiencing the same kind of marginalization yes yeah absolutely well so since you mentioned that one i will go with um just something very specific uh, just a specific little line that <laughs> dernhelm says to mary and it's that where will wants not a way opens up so it just you know where there's a will there's a way we get our our uh, Rohan, or perhaps just entire Middle Earth version of that. I don't yeah. know. I just I, I love that stuff. I highlighted that part too. Yep. I really <laughs> I really like that line. Yeah. <laughs> that was like a that was like the words to remember and live by from this yeah. chapter. Like every now and then we get a little thing, and that's how we came up with this saying, or that's or that's where this uh, mm-hmm. you know proverb comes from. <laughs> I'm about to say something that's going to make me sound like a real dumb dumb. Um, <laughs> My favorite part in this chapter was the part where the where the darkness actually happened because I didn't get that that was an actual thing that was happening. I thought it was all metaphorical. Oh no! Until this chapter, actively like every other chapter beforehand, has just ended with that or kind of like referenced it in passing, like yeah. at the end of Two Towers. This chapter, like, no, no, we're gonna show the next day and how, like, no, 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 is this actually getting dark? Like the description. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> No, yeah, this is a physical thing that's happening in the world. It's a physical manifestation of this evil, you know, uh, and it's Sauron is blockading the sun. It's it's showing this, yeah, the 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 real extent, the the like cataclysmic, apocalyptic extent of. I mean, there's also like a functional aspect to this as well because it's been well established that orcs don't like sunlight. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and remember, sunlight, it's the light of Telperion, ta- 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 right? Yep. 
Laurelin is the moon, Telperion is the sun. So, but then it's, also moonlight, like orcs can perfectly behave in moonlight. So, did something like this happen in the Silmarillion by any chance? Well, uh, there's. I mean, <laughs> Melkor had Ungoliant destroy the trees because he hated the light. And then burp up darkness. Maybe I should have excluded that part. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, maybe I should have excluded that part. I mean, the Sendar refused to uh, leave Middle-earth because they liked the stars, and thus they were known as the Grey Peoples. Damn, yep. maybe that's, that's what may- Sendar means. Maybe yep. it's a bad comparison. <laughs> maybe it's a bad <laughs> comparison. Never mind then. Um, yeah, so anything else to add, or shall we put a nice little bow on this section of it? I feel like, I mean... There's a lot more to talk about in this chapter, but it's all just kind of emotional stuff and not, you know, like plot developments because there's very little plot development. It's just stuff is getting more intense and people are feeling more, I don't want to say hopeless, but on the verge of um, conclusion, you know? Yeah. That's why I feel like a lot more things are going to be resolved or we're going to I feel like a lot of things I want to talk about, I feel like I can't talk about that yet because I feel like it's just going to come up with another chapter. Well, I mean, the next chapter is called The Siege of Gondor. That's right. I was trying, I was actually looking up to see what the next chapter is actually called. And I'm going to guess that's going back to Gandalf and Pippin. Just going to float that one out there. Well, just remember, this book is titled The War of the Ring. Well, I just, hold on. I just read the first, the first line and it (laughs) says both Pippin and Gandalf. So I feel right. Yeah, I'm definitely right on that one. (laughs) Spoiler alert. The first line is Pippin was roused by Gandalf. (laughs) But remember, the first line of this chapter was about Pippin, even though the entire chapter ended up being about Mary. That's true. We shall see. But it said Rohan in the chapter. Whatever. (laughs) Yes. So anyway, I have a favorite that I uh, am way behind the curve on, which is in the past week, I have like devoured the entirety of Silicon Valley, the TV show, not the geographic slash cultural <laughs> phenomenon in California. Uh, it took me like months to get through the fir- first four episodes because all the characters are like kind of dicks. They're awful people, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the point. Like it's really making fun of that and how prevalent that is in the tech world. And they're just inhabited and played so incredibly well by their actors. Uh, once I got into it, I just could not get enough. And it's got that kind of, um, you you know how in season four of 30 Rock where they like really, like you think Liz is going to get her own show, but of course you can't let that happen because it's a sitcom and you have to fundamentally keep everybody in the same s- yeah. setup. Yeah. Silicon Valley basically does the same thing where it's like people you think they're going to succeed and then there's like a step back and it's like frustrating, but they're constantly just failing upward. And it, I don't know. I really, it was, it was, it was really funny. Um, but there's kind of a dark side to this as well. Um, we are recording. This is not the first episode to have been released since this happened, but it's the first one we've recorded since the attack in Orlando on the pulse gay nightclub. Mm-hmm. And that the entire, I, I mean, I, it was a very difficult weekend for me, um, and I actually binge-watched most of Silicon Valley through the news coming out because I needed something to distract me because if the, I, if I just kept reading the news, I just kept crying, um, and it it kept me distracted enough and happy enough that I was able to get through that weekend, so... You know, sometimes you just need to, 
a distraction and it was it was really functional at that sorry that's a weird way to wrap that up but uh the other favorite thing i have to add is kind of related to this as well which is the tony awards which happened th that night and you know they addressed it but at the end of the day if there's one thing that's true to theater it's that the show must go on and the tonys did go on and it was just another great moment of kind of levity with these um serious very you know austere speeches kind of injected throughout um it was just i needed that at that time it was yeah. great being able to watch all those people get up and do a number from a musical and now i'm going to see she loves me starring jane krukowski so this time <laughs> by, by the time you're listening to this podcast i will have seen jane krukowski in person nice. i'm very excited for that so uh Loser. that's enough for me <laughs> I've got the dumbest favor of the week in the world right now, so I better go last. <laughs> I mean, I don't really have don't one really much have better anything? because, again, I'm you know this is another horrible, horrible week to be a human being. I think, um, and uh, I, I don't really, I still don't really know that I have words to articulate it. But uh, so I don't know. My favorite thing from the week was sleeping in my own bed last night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, simply because you know I had been I, I was watching my friend's doggy and staying at their house and you know that's that's great because I get to play with the puppy but I have like sleep issues on my own enough and sleeping in not my own bed makes it even worse so mm -hmm. like sleeping in my own bed last night that was my favorite part of the week <laughs> nice oh and that bed was <laughs> yeah. a wonderful Casper mattress go to casper.com slash Tolkien and no what? Uh, what? We are not sponsored by Casper. No, we're. That's not one of the pod. Like, uh, I've heard enough about mattress <laughs> advertisements from one podcast to, to have enough. We are sponsored by you, the listener. Basically, yeah. So mm -hmm. this is fine programming brought to you by you, the listener. And now I'm going to talk about something I should be embarrassed about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I just I, I had a really crummy week. Um. And so on a whim, I saw something stupid <laughs> or something I thought was going to be stupid. Oh, I think I know what this you is. Think I know where I'm go you think I know where I'm going? I know John knows where I'm going with this. Uh, I saw the new Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles movie, Out of the Shadows. And I saw the first one and reviewed it back in 2014. And I hated it. Like I, was, I thought it was a mediocre piece of trash. It was dumb, terrible. It was all over the place. I don't know what happened something happened in the making of this sequel and it is like miles but like just so much not only better than the previous one but it's, it, it might be one of the best movies i've seen this year that <laughs> easily one of the best movies i've seen this year and i can't believe it that is a huge turnaround it was and fun it was cartoony it felt like the old cartoon from the 80s like actually put on a big screen like Commander, when they showed Commander Krang and he looked like a cartoon character, I was like, I'm so sold. This movie has won me over. Um, there was less story. There's actually good character stuff with all the like brothers. I couldn't believe it. I had such a great time with that movie and I just can't believe it. That's good to hear. It was exactly what I, I feel That's like. That's what it should have been. I've spent this entire year being such a curmudgeon with comic book movies. <laughs> Between Captain America Civil War and Deadpool and Batman Superman, I know people online are like, what do you want? And I think, like, go see that Teenage Mutant Turtles movie and you know exactly what I want. <laughs> I want something that kind of doesn't care. It cares enough to tell a good story, but it doesn't care enough to take itself too seriously. 
I don't know. I also got a big laugh out of it because the storyline is basically what they're going to have to do for Justice League movie. And it, it was done cartoony mm-hmm. in this movie and probably way better. I also can't stop listening to the soundtrack because it actually... Okay. <laughs> they, there's a Vanilla Ice song in the movie. And I started cracking up. And I was the only one. I was the oldest person in the theater, too, by the way, besides the kids' parents. Uh, and I was laughing at the Vanilla Ice song because I felt like it was a direct reference to the sequel to the previous old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, which had Vanilla Ice in the movie. And I was like, man, they're just self-aware enough to make fun of themselves like that. So. All right. Well, uh, with that, <laughs> Katie, you want to take us out? Sure. So once again, before we leave, I'd like to give a thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for uh, donating to us and helping us keep our project afloat. We appreciate it so, so much. So thank you once again to Tariq, Ignatius Pendergraf, Devin Mann, Ariel Alm, Brian Osborne, Anna Dunlany, Jiying Fua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Mike Williams, Jacob Verma, Ben Goldstein, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Avon McMaster, and Micah Laney. That list is getting really it's, long. It is. It's almost getting too and long. And I love it. As long as it is feasible for me to read every single one of these names, I will. <laughs> if, if the last bit of this takes us an hour to go through. <laughs> I said feasible. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Join us again next week when we'll be discussing Chapter 4 of Book 1 of Return of the King, The Siege of Gondor. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. It looked like you were about to like expect me to say something else after that. I don't know why. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com, and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if you would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page, where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better-sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge, and we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far. 